I think I want to talk a little bit about the state of podcasting. I know this is kind of random, but I mean, last in the last episode, we finished up the KDE software series of Slackware, so that's exciting. And I figured we'd take a little break and talk about, yeah, something that's kind of near and dear, I guess, to this show, which is the act of podcasting. I don't really think too much about podcasting all that often, I guess. I mean, I'm a big fan of podcasting, as you might you might have picked up. I, I think it's a I think it's one of the most significant developments of kind of digital life in in the past. I don't know how long. I mean, I realize that you could have always you can always have just posted media on the internet. Like that's not that big of a deal. Um, but that the convenience and maybe it's arguably a minor convenience, but I mean it is a convenience of of the RSS or preferably Adam feed makes it different and and it's it's it might be a small difference, but it is a significant difference and I think I think that's almost inarguable, right? I mean we we are all listening to a podcast. Well, I mean I'm making one right now, but I listen to lots of podcasts. You are currently listening to a podcast. You found that podcast probably through an RSS feed or an Atom feed. And and that brings a certain it almost enforces a certain relationship between the creator, the content creator and the audience. And and like I say, I listen I'm the audience of a lot of other podcasts. So I'm in that relationship in in both on both sides of that of that division, or a, it's not a division, but both sides of that equation. And, and that's unique. I mean, it's not unique. It's it's a lot like television. It's a lot like radio. But unlike those things, you don't need a license to be involved in those. I mean, I don't know if you need a license for TV, but you need a license for radio. Um, I think if you want to be a radio a TV station, you probably need some kind of uh, authorization to broadcast uh, stuff. So you don't need that for podcasting. Podcasting is is utterly. It's just you do it, you post it, and it's you're off. I mean, you need a you need a place to post your feed, right? That 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 is important. But other than that, it, it doesn't really seem to matter that much. That's pretty cool. It's pretty significant. I think that's it's it's a big deal. Now, one thing that I remember from early the early days of podcasting, before it was called podcasting, is that I would listen to internet radio, or that's what I called it. It wasn't radio. It was just, it was, like I said, it was people would post media on the internet, and you would go to their website, and you would listen to the media or, or watch the media. Um, I remember there was a term early on called IPTV, IPTV, such as uh, internet protocol TV. It was like television except it was stuff on the internet that you would find youtube came along and kind of blew that term away i don't even know how ubiquitous the term was but i do recall that being a term so there was iptv and internet radio those were the two things that i kind of thought around 2004 2005 2006 i 2006 might have been the the time that kind of fell away but that area I, i thought well this is it this is the new entertainment and largely, I've been correct in that. I mean, I most media that I consume is over the internet, and it is a lot of podcasts or a lot of uh, just videos online, and and a lot of it's independent media. Not not entirely. I watch movies as well and things like that. But I mean, a lot of it is just independent content creation from people on the internet, and I really really enjoy that.
Now, recently, I have discovered, I have noticed, that there's a, dare I say a trend? I'm not sure if it's a trend. I guess it must be a trend if I'm noticing it. Dare I say, a trend. Uh, I've noticed a trend where people are starting to maybe sometimes charge for podcasts. And if they're not charging directly for the podcast, then they're they're putting out a tip jar. There's there's a place where you can reimburse someone for their podcasting content. Just before I go on, I will mention I am not going to start charging for my podcast. This is not like a soft, uh, you know, this isn't a, a, a soft release of, oh, by the way, you're going to have to start paying me. <laughs> um, as long as you don't charge me, I'm not going to charge you. Uh, so some people do, though. They'll have a Patreon link or a coffee or a Ko-Fi, K-O-F-I, however you're supposed to say that, link, um, or a PayPal link or something like that where you can support the show. That's that's the word. That's the phrase. Support the show. What does support the show mean? It differs, I think. It differs between show and, you know, creators. Like, w- what does it mean? Well, in some fashion, it might mean, um, it might mean to literally just pay the person's bills while they podcast. And other times it might mean, well, I need supplies in order to do this highly specialized activity that I'm doing. Pay me and I will buy those supplies and then do the thing uh, on camera or whatever. So, you know, you see this and you, you see like RSS feeds going behind paywalls and things like that. And and if you look at that and then you look at the old internet radio and IPTV, you might start to think, what exactly has happened here? What how how did we go from here to where we are now? And I wanna I wanna unpack that a little bit because I think there are a lot of potential feelings around the state of of media today. And it that's a huge topic and not one that I'm going to be able to quite cover in one podcast, I don't think. But I mean it's it's a big a big topic probably a topic for an entire podcast itself, like a meta podcast about, you know, sort of media. Um, but the thing that I I know from being a, a content creator, I guess, um, I guess that's the term, right? Content creator. I mean, I've always just sort of had generic terms for it, but I think content creator actually makes sense. Like you're, you're creating content for the internet. So let's call it content creator. I don't know, you know, if you're making a TV show for the TV, I don't think people go around calling you a content creator, but whatever, like that's a good enough term. It's better than like artist, you know, which is kind of the only other thing that exists, right? I guess I'm an artist, TV producer. I don't know. TV crew, you know, I don't know. Content creator, you create stuff for the internet. So the thing I know about that is that thinking about stuff, learning new stuff, uh, it takes time and energy. And then producing content about that stuff that you have learned and thought about takes time and superficially resources. I say superficial because I think, especially within the open source crowd, I think a lot of us tend to get on a high horse about making sure that everyone has the resources they need to partake in computing. Like that's a big part of like why we do open source for a lot of us. Like that's, that's 
something that we often talk about. Well, we need to, to make sure that people have access to the internet and to computers, and, and Linux makes that possible because you can take that proverbial computer from 10 years ago and put Linux onto it and hand it out to someone who doesn't have a computer. In, in my experience, I've not had amazing results with that. I've got lots of little minor horror stories about how you, you know, you go to all this trouble to put Linux onto a, a, a an old computer. You give it to someone who, who has no access to computers or internet otherwise, and you think, I am giving them the gift of understanding. And they take the computer and they say, well, first of all, it's too old, and second of all, I'm going to put Windows on it. And you're just thinking, but I poured my heart and soul into that project. Why are you doing this to me? So, I don't know. I don't think that resources are as scarce as we oftentimes like to think. And I, I understand that that's not true universally. There are places where resources are scarce, and I do believe that it is actually important. I'm just saying, I think maybe we overdo it a little bit with an open source. Anyway, it takes time, it takes resources, it takes energy to produce, to, to think and learn and produce stuff, content about things, whatever it might be. I mean, in my case, obviously, it's about very specifically open source, Linux, technology, that sort of thing. But for other people, it might be something else. Everybody, we all, we only get 24 hours each day. Some of us, however, have to work. Like, we have to go to work, we have to do stuff for work, we get paid for the work, and that takes time. So now you have less time to produce the content. So to reduce the time that you have to spend on work, then you have to have money to, quote-unquote, buy time back, right? To call out sick for one day a week. I don't know what job would let you do that on a consistent basis, but, you know, maybe you're, maybe you're doing some gigs, and you think, well, I could go to this gig today, or I could take this money that I have from this tip jar or whatever— and and live on it today and not go to the gig. And instead I'll stay home and I'll create content. And the way that that can be made possible in the modern world is Patreon, Coffee, Ko-Fi, whatever, PayPal, uh, whatever method of transferring money online is available to people. That's one way to make that possible. And having been in the 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 world of content creation since roughly 2006 or 2008 I never can remember which date I've decided I started this stuff uh, doing this stuff at um I I know that very early on there wasn't there basically wasn't that option PayPal probably existed back then but I I don't know that that was a sort of an expectation I don't know that that people would have judged the process of making stuff for the internet um, sort of valuable enough to pay for in any amount. And I have noticed, and probably a lot of other people have noticed, that maybe getting people to to, to do the, the tip thing, like where it's just throw me just a just dollar, just, just one dollar. I know you don't think that makes a difference, but if you and then a hundred other people do that, then that makes a difference. But getting a hundred people to, to donate a dollar, I, I have found, is more difficult. Not that I've tried for podcasting and stuff, but I've tried it in, in other things. Um, is more difficult, I have found, 
than getting like one person to donate a hundred dollars. You know, you still have to ask a hundred people, right? But but from a hundred people, you can. It's less likely, in my experience, to get every hundred person to give you one dollar than it is to hit upon that one person who will finally fork over a hundred bucks. You still have to ask a hundred people, uh, but 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 your the success rate actually is better if if the pay if the payout is is greater that that's what i've noticed um it, it, you know i i'm also really rubbish at doing this at doing that i should say um i don't raise money well so you know the the, the most success i've had with that is just going out and working for it like like you know like people do um so that's been my fundraising activities really is like getting a job that pays like that that's actually turned out pretty well for me um trying to get people to donate to other projects has not worked out well for me personally uh and i've never tried and don't intend to ever try with podcasting that's not something i'm interested in but having said that um i think that it's there's a value i think to the fact that that is something that that's an option for people in the modern day because frankly i didn't have the money to produce content for the first eight years of podcasting like the very long time i actually didn't have the money like if i if i had a gig one day then a podcast didn't get done that day because i wasn't able to make the choice between oh should i should i go to the the gig or should i stay home and podcast well there's no choice there you you go to the gig because they're going to pay you so my early shows if you look at my podcast history were quite irregular. The release was irregular. It was at best fortnightly, and then I would usually take some time off between quote-unquote seasons. And and so generally, I mean, if you look back at my show release, it's, it's about 20 shows a year until, for whatever reason, the 12th season, I decided to do it weekly. And I say whatever reason, but I mean, ultimately, I think we could look at it, and if we, if we opened up my my books i think we would notice that around the 12th season i got a job that paid me quite regularly and pretty pretty well i would say and i was able to just afford in all the different senses that that implies i could afford to sit down one day you know one day a week and and make a podcast now arguably it's taken me a long time to learn certain skills that i might have learned a lot faster otherwise in other words um, potentially i would be farther along in my sort of linux journey if i'd from the beginning had the the wherewithal to to just dedicate time to podcasting to content creation um, not necessarily the recording of an episode but the the learning the sitting down taking classes or whatever uh, and learning the thing that i wanted to talk about on my next show uh, and certainly sh uh, having a podcast about something is a very good way to sort of structure your your learning the the your your learning path because then you kind of have to report on a thing the next week and you know you have to report on the thing the next week and and i mean that's one of the things that the benefit of going through every slackware package has has done for me is that every week i know that i'm going to have to report back on a command or on a a an application or on some system uh, I need to talk about that 
in a podcast. And so I have to dedicate time during the week to to learn it and hopefully, you know, ideally to use it during the week, like actually actually use it like in a real life setting or at least as much as a real life setting as as a week could represent. Now, if I could shift time such that like somehow I was like if I could shift if I could take Patreon, for instance, or PayPal or whatever, and or maybe not PayPal, but coffee or Ko-Fi, whatever, uh, and, sh- and, and, and move its start date back to the very beginning of when I was making a podcast, would that, would that be something that I could do? Like, would I, could I choose, if I were, was able to do that, would I choose to go back and say, yeah, I'm going to make this podcast and I'm going to... Um, I'm going to try to get paid for it. I mean, objectively, probably yes. Like, that would be a clear benefit. That would have been a clear benefit for me at that time to have had the luxury to get paid for producing content rather than doing it all, you know, sort of for free. And yet, let's think about that. Because... What about, like, freedom of information? What about sort of this worst-case dystopia that I feel like some of us can envision uh, where Linux and, like, free culture podcasts are locked behind a paywall? A world where servers providing, uh, you know, tech, tech lessons about technology require subscription fees because no one can afford to keep their 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 podcast running and, and that sort of thing like that seems pretty bad and it seems entirely counter to everything open source and and sort of hacker culture is all about and that is that's something to be concerned about like why why are we seeing people go to anchor fm or uh, Spotify or these other services that have sort of like these setups, I assume. I've never been to, to those places, but I assume you go there and you understand, oh, there's an audience there uh, and I'll go and I'll, I'll sign up for that. And I, I presume that it, it probably makes it relatively easy to, to produce a podcast. I mean, people are doing it. So I assume that, that you know, these places must have figured out a way to be sort of the one-stop shop for your podcasting needs. But those are services now that other people, you know, people have to sign up for those. And, and, and certainly some shows, like, they'll go to Patreon and they won't give you an RSS feed until you join their Patreon as a paying member. And then they'll send you, like, a personalized RSS feed. It's really weird. Um, and, and And it just seems... It seems off. It seems wrong. It seems counter to uh, certainly hacker culture. Like that just doesn't seem right. So what about that? And I think there's a balance there, as with many things in life. I guess I, I think there's a balance uh, to be struck between the the very real and and present kind of need for people to be able to. To, to afford to take that day off, not to go to the gig, to make podcasting their gig, like make that the thing for which they are earning money, and 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 that's important. 
And I think in my ideal world, I, well, in my ideal world, we wouldn't be talking about money. Uh, but in, in, some, in some lesser form of my ideal world, there would be sort of a way where a podcast creator could have the confidence in their audience to, to release all their stuff for free, for zero dollars, but also to make money off of it. So, in a, you know, sort of a voluntary kind of donation type of thing. Um, in New Zealand, we call it koha, K-O-H-A. It means uh, sort of a, a, a willing donation towards something because you understand that a, a, a resource is communal, but that it doesn't exist for out of, you know, that, that someone had to make it happen and that some kind of acknowledgement and, and sort of recompensation for that, it might, might, might make it continue. I think that's kind of what I would love to see out there in the world. And, and I don't know that it's practical because I think, I think it's difficult to get people to, to do that necessarily sometimes. And, and it's a pity, but I mean, you do see it happening with some open source projects these days. I mean, Slackware has a Patreon page. You can go to Slackware's Patreon page and subscribe essentially to Slackware. And even before Patreon existed, Slackware had a store where you could purchase Slackware. You could purchase a subscription to Slackware and you would pay uh, I guess, did, did I pay every year? I guess it must have been a thing that you paid every year. And then, no, surely it wasn't. I think you just had to buy the disc. Well, I don't remember. But they had a store where you could purchase, you could pay for Slackware. And I've been paying for Slackware for quite some time. Uh, as soon as I could you know, financially afford to pay for the, a thing that I could otherwise get for $0, I did. And I've I've certainly... I, I'm now, you know, a member of their Patreon because it's something that I use and, and I mean, every day I use it for a lot, for most of what I do on a computer, well, for everything I do on a computer, I use Slackware, except when I'm on my home server, which is running Fedora right now. Um, and then uh, Ardour has a, like a PayPal subscription that you can do. I think, yeah, it's a PayPal uh, subscription that you can do. You can support Ardour that way. And I mean, Ardour, you can get for free. Like it's not something that you actually have to pay for. You can get it for free. Or I think, is there a minimum payment of a dollar? I don't remember. Um, but so, so software pro projects are sort of, are doing this. And once again, I, I think that we very frequently tend to look at like, you know, 10 years ago or whatever and say, well, nobody was doing that 10 years ago. Why is it suddenly a thing now? Like why, why isn't it just people just just continue to volunteer and you know i think i think there's a little bit of reservation a little bit you, you might think oh well it does seem weird that if things are getting so commercial now and everyone seems to be wanting a like a little slice of slice of this and that and everyone wants a little bit of money for everything that they're doing but and yet at the same time i think 10 years ago we were seeing a different set of people doing the thing you know, you, you got the people who were able to do to do the, the thing for zero dollars. You got the people who happened to be in a position for whatever reason that they could produce the content or write the software or maintain the software and so on. And now we're getting participation from lots of different places. And so people who might not normally be able to contribute are starting to 
be able to contribute in either at all or in different ways because they're going to a different place for support. And I, I do like that idea, that sort of idea that the, that the resources can be spread out a little bit. And I, and I, I, I do, you know, f I, I fundamentally like that idea that, that, that we might be able to like contribute to a pool of resources for people to support them so that they can create the stuff that we either enjoy or use or enjoy to use. And frankly, I wouldn't mind that in other sort of areas of, of life as well, to be honest. I mean, like, think about all the streaming services you're, I guess, supposed to subscribe to. I don't, but I guess you're supposed to. Netflix and, uh, I don't know, Paramount, I think, has their own streaming service, and Hulu, and, you know, all these different places have streaming services now. And and I don't know, I can't imagine how few people could actually subscribe to them all. I mean, because they, they all cost money. So you, you, you couldn't possibly, right? Would, could you? I don't know. Maybe some people can. But I mean, one wouldn't want to. But would one want to subscribe to some, to, you know, pay to some, to some support s structure so that, yes, we can still continue to get fun movies and TV shows, but it doesn't matter what streaming service it's on? Like, would that work? It seems like that would work. So I don't know. Um, the idea of supporting creators does appeal to me. Um, like I say, in an ideal world, maybe we wouldn't have to be having this conversation. There wouldn't be the need for this. Like there would be, there would be, there would be some alternate system by which we could make sure that everyone has what they need. Like food and shelter and healthcare and things like that. I think that would be nice, but that's not where we are right now. And so thinking about sort of like what people need right now and the content that's being created right now, I think it's important to recognize that that there are creators out there making really cool stuff and they they sometimes need uh, f funding to make that cool stuff. And so I guess all I'm saying is that yeah, podcasting, content creation, it's a changing landscape. Like it has been changing probably for years and and I think looking back now, yes, we are definitively in a different sort of state than we were certainly when this podcast started. And to that end, if you if you're feeling that you want to support this show financially, please don't. Um there's go go find another show that you enjoy that is asking for financial support and, and support, support them, give, give them whatever you would have given to me, give, give to that creator instead, because that's, I, I don't need it. I am graciously being supported myself by webhosting.coop, which by the way, if you need web hosting, go to webhosting.coop. It's a cooperative web hosting company run by a real person like you and me, a real hacker who, um, who does amazing things online and including hosting this show. So like, that's a huge, huge support system that I didn't even ask for. And it just came my way and it was great. It, it's, it's been great. It's been phenomenal. So go out there and find a content creator that you enjoy. And, and if you can then support them. And if you cannot, then I think the same sort of general rule of thumb as, um, really a lot of open source software has, has used for the past, I don't know, probably five years, seven years, which is like, if you can donate to those who are asking for it, then do donate. And if you cannot, 
then don't. And when you can, then do. I think that's a really important part of open source. I don't know how like sort of official it is and how much of it's just sort of a a, a thing that I think is the way things work, like in my head. But to me, and it, it, certainly in my experience, I came to open source with zero dollars in my pocket. Like the money that I had available to me was the money that I could scrape together uh, between the cushions of a couch that I didn't have. Like it was, it was, I was, I needed something. Like I needed, uh, I, I needed everything to be free at that time. And that's what open source was for me. It was a zero dollar gift from a huge community, most of whom I'll never meet, I'll never know, but they've made this great tool that afforded me the option to not only uh, have a computer, remember how I said just a moment ago, uh, or a couple minutes ago, how we overdo the whole people need resources things? Well, actually, I guess not, because yeah, I needed a computer, I didn't, I did not have a computer to, I didn't have the money to, to purchase a computer, I needed one, so I dug one out of the trash, installed Linux onto it. That's only partly true. Um, I did do that, but I also, I got a free computer through a, a weird uh, thing that I did on the internet, uh, and they actually came through and sent me a free laptop. Anyway, one way or the other, I got Linux onto a computer, and I I, I used that computer and Linux to learn, well, I used that computer to learn Linux, and I did that for a long time, for several years, and eventually got into the IT business, and 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 I can now give back to all of the things that sort of boosted me up. That's a beautiful thing. That's a, a beautiful, beautiful sort of success story. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm patting the back of open source. Like that's that happened because of open source. And I think the same is true for podcasts because certainly during those years when I was learning Linux, I mean, I didn't do that just on my own, right? I was I was checking books out of a library. I was reading stuff online. I was listening to uh, Chess Griffin. You know, I was listening to TL Tilts, to uh, a lot of Linux links. You know, I was I was listening to this, consuming all of this content, and and learned so much from all of these people. So I think that's a great model to have. I think that's a really, really good sort of thing to keep in mind. And, and, and I do hope to some degree, you know, that, that podcasting and that IPTV, that, that entertainment online is able to, to retain that in some way. And I don't know that it can because some, some media is expensive to produce. And and at some point, you just have to make sure that everyone who's coming through the door pays for what they're about to see. And that's fair, because it, it does, it gets expensive, I'm aware. For podcasting, I think there's a certain certain level of, of quality that I, I guess is sort of demand, is, is sort of expected. Um, so there is that. So maybe there is a, a charge, I don't know. But certainly... Certainly, I th- I think there's going to be an avenue for that zero dollar entry with support levels happening later, and and I encourage you to sort of continue to make that happen. Like, if you're at zero dollars today, that's great, it's fine. When you're not, then 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 go up a level voluntarily. I think I think that's a sort of a I guess a socially responsible thing to do. It's a nice thing to do anyway for some people. 
and I mean, it's keeping things open, really, by 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 ensuring that that the people who are producing the thing have the support that they need. And that's going to benefit not just you because you're enjoying the content, but it's going to benefit the people who cannot yet support the person creating the content. That's a, a worthwhile thing to do. More or less on a related note, I'm going to I have started um, I've started tending to my Gopher slash Gemini site more. Um, I'm still building the scripts as I record this, but eventually soonish I will be. Uh, publishing the content that I normally publish to a blog, uh, to my to an HTTP blog, uh, also to Gemini and and Gopher. Now these blogs aren't actually um, very technical; they're they're a different interest of mine, gaming and things like that. So these aren't necessarily um, gaming and geek culture, I guess, is broadly what you'd say. So it's it's not this show; it, it's just sort of. If you like this show and you do like gaming and geek culture, then you might like the stuff on this on this blog. So if you um, if you join SDF, that's sdf.org. It is a free access Unix server, and it kind of goes off the same model that I was just talking about: zero dollar entry fee. And then when you can, you can support them in other ways. Like I think it's thirty-five dollars to become an ARPA member or something like that. And then uh, there's a certain support level above that that you can do and, and get even more benefits and so on. But to get in the door, it's it's zero dollars, and and it's a great way to get access to a NetBSD server on the internet. It's slow. It's not always reliable. It has it has quirks. It's not maybe as well documented in the way that I would like it to be, and so on. There there are quirks with it, but it's a, it's a cool, cool place. I've been on SDF since, I don't know, I think literally 2006, maybe 2008. Those are the only two dates that exist in my past. Um, and, and that's where my Gemini and Gopher site are, is. It's actually the same sort of infrastructure. Um and that's where I'll be reposting these these blog posts. Now, again, the the blog posts are actually already on an HTTP site, so you could just go there. I'm not going to really broadcast that here because it's not the same. I don't feel like it's not in the business of promoting myself. Um, but I am saying if you're on SDF, then check out Gemini and Gopher servers on SDF. So there's a lot of just like test sites. I mean, mine included. It was just kind of like it used to be used to be some old, old text files, and, and I've gotten rid of all those now, and I'm like I say, I'm going to come up with a, a, a release schedule. I just need to figure it out for these blog posts to go on Gemini and Gopher. And it's a cool community because it's a bunch of people experimenting on, you know, basically alternate avenues of distribution, and I think that's going to become important as as podcasts start to coalesce around paid services or communities that maybe you don't want to join because they require too much personal information from you or uh, an entry fee or whatever, I think that it's important to always remember that there's there's something where people are gathering. And and in some cases, I, I think that a, an interesting place to, to find other sort of people – are, is SDF. 
Uh, I can't vouch for everyone on SDF, but I've met a bunch of cool people on SDF. And um, it's certainly a, it's a really great service being provided. So check out sdf.org. And if you get over there, then by all means, message me and or check out Gopher uh, and Gemini servers. It's a lot of fun. So check that out. I think that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to me ramble about thoughts about geek culture and distribution of, of media. It's not usually the topic of this of this show, but that's what I decided to talk about this time around. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening. My name's Klaatu. You can reach me anytime over email with feedback or comments, tips, or just to say hi. My email address is klaatu at slackermedia.info. You can also reach me on the Mastodon network, not klaatu, at mastodon.xyz. The show's intro and outro music is by Fat Chance Lester. You can find their music on bandcamp.com or on gnuworldorder.info in the archive you'll find a music directory containing the album from which this music has been extracted until next time thanks for listening and keep the source open would all like some coffee.